Hello and welcome to this week's Making Passenger podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Tom. The requirement for physical distancing has resulted in a significant interest in providing information to customers on vehicle occupancy and cleanliness to encourage trust in the safety of public transport. This week, we thought it might be interesting to speak to Dave and Andy, Passengers Engineering Director and Engineering Lead, who are responsible for actually delivering these new features. The conversation aims to share an overview of the work in this area and some of the technical and delivery challenges of shipping features like this at pace. I hope you enjoy. Dave and Andy, thanks very much for joining us today. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Dave, perhaps we should um, give a little bit of context to the rest of the discussion. Could you perhaps give us a quick overview of the feature and what it'll do for users and operators as a whole? Yes, no problem, Matt. So we're talking about this vehicle asset information and the extensions we're adding to it around the live occupancy data. What we're doing is providing live information about how full the vehicles are based on social distancing and the reduced capacity that vehicles have. And this is really important both to users and to operators, including their staff and bus drivers, so that buses don't have too many people on, so people can safely travel um, by bus or and other modes of transport as well. And so the information that we're getting to provide to end users, where's that coming from? So we have our own crowdsource data, from apps and websites that's coming in from end users and that's one of the key places we're taking in data we're also working with a number of different suppliers of hardware on the buses um, such as ticketer to get data directly from the drivers and from the vehicles themselves about um, the live occupancy of the vehicles okay so andy perhaps you could just talk about why aren't we just using ticketer data i mean we have a number of operators using different suppliers uh, to provide that data, so why aren't we just using the the Ticketer Siri SM solution, for example? We do have a lot of operators on the Ticketer system. We also have a few that are using other systems, uh, which don't have that necessary passenger counting sort of system going into place. the The, the other side of things is that the in in the case of this uh, this virus that we're going through at the moment, the the sort of space available on the bus is no longer quantitative it can no longer really be described as you know there are 40 seats and and 20 of them are are taken uh, depending on the contents of uh, or the, the makeup of the passengers on the bus if there's households traveling together they may be sitting very closely together uh, if there's lots and lots of individuals then they need to space out so in that sense it becomes much more qualitative and much more uh, uh, much more judgmental um, or much more nuanced as to how busy a bus is and whether there is space for for you on there so is that why we're choosing to display quiet moderate and busy rather than actual number of vacant seats then perhaps dave you could talk to me about that or, or andy exactly that exactly that uh, we feel it's easier yeah. for someone to uh, uh, to make a, a human judgment as to whether social distancing is possible on on a vehicle Okay, that's interesting. So crowdsourcing this data means that we'll need a lot of people to contribute. So why are people going to do that? What makes us think that people are are going to do that? We have, there's two key things here. Firstly, is the, the position that we're in as passenger. We have lots of apps and websites kind of covering lots of the UK. And we have a really engaged user base. And so based on the, the trust that users have in 
in their operators and their apps. Uh, we have good ratings in app stores and things like that, which we've seen means that users are very engaged in our apps and on websites and are sort of keen to make the most of that. Uh, we also have, um, this time that we're in now, we have more of a social responsibility and we believe that there's going to be an increase in the amount of people that are uh, willing to contribute this kind of data uh, whereas without COVID-19 it might be harder to acquire this data but in this situation there's likely to be more people that are keen to to help each other out and kind of a civic duty if you will. I think that's absolutely right there's uh, there's definitely an increase in in people's sort of solidarity in the last few months. It's probably worth adding as well that for, for the operators that we work with that don't already have a sort of a, a ticketer feed of data coming through um, and, and you know they're, they're busy working with their their providers to to, to come up with this kind of a, a similar solution if you like but it's it's, it's worth adding that the, the crowdsourced approach as Andy mentioned gives those operators that don't an actual you know a way to sort of start to communicate uh, some of this kind of information to their passengers to show that you know things are happening and, and the work is being done to to manage this kind of you know this this new situation that everyone finds themselves in so it's a it's a way that you know operators that don't have that that ticket to feed can uh, get behind their marketing and encourage their their passengers to help each other so it's almost something that you know they can they can do they can actively get behind um, and and support yeah, I think you're right there, Tom. And, and, and sort of measuring real-time vehicle occupancy on buses isn't something that's been widespread in the UK ever. I'm not sure if, if that's something that's happened anywhere around the globe. And as a result, there isn't a great deal of knowledge in the sector about how to perhaps implement this accurately. With COVID-19, there's a demand, you know, to solve this problem. And there are a lot of people scrambling to deliver something in this area as fast as possible. How can we guarantee the accuracy of what we're showing to users? How can we feel confident in the information that we're showing? Is there, is there anything more that we could be doing or that someone else could be doing? So this is quite a challenging question, I think. We have a few different data sources at our disposal, which is one of our advantages by taking in both crowdsourced data and data from the ETM hardware suppliers, uh, we have the ability to, to measure the accuracy um, of those two things against each other. Um, so we've seen accuracy statistics from different hardware suppliers of um, 96 or 98% accuracy around counting how many people are currently on a vehicle. But as Andy mentioned earlier, this doesn't provide that qualitative, uh, very subjective information about how much space there actually is left on a vehicle. So with crowdsource data, we might not have the the specific number of seats available as high accuracy as the counting machines on the on the vehicles, the um, automated passenger counting machines. But the accuracy of the the data that's actually useful to the end user, uh, we believe, is going to be much higher. Okay, so in a scenario where we have numbers of a different number of data sources, how are we working out what gets shown to the customer in the apps and where? So we're saying that we're going to show quiet, moderate and busy, but, you know, what's our trigger points for moving into those areas? At the moment, from the, uh, from the data that we would receive over a vehicle monitoring feed, the operators are setting their own uh, thresholds as to, okay. uh, as, to, um, as to what percentage of a, of a bus seats occupied constitutes a, a moderate or a, or a busy 
What would be interesting is that whether we uh, is whether the operator's idea of of what constitutes busy actually matches up with with customers' ideas of of what a busy bus is, and and sure. who has the idea of uh, who who believes it's most busy. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I suppose that's what we all draw a line somewhere different, but I guess that's going to be a little bit perhaps trial and error and just, you know, with the operators and the customers and, and seeing where everyone's comfortable. I think these things change over time as well. As lockdown is gradually lifted and guidance adjusts, um, different countries have different social distance sort of numbers. Uh, we have two metres in the UK. Some countries in Europe have 1.5 metres. So it might be that the the idea of busyness or how much space needs to be between different people um, adjusts over time um, as the the science improves and as we learn more about COVID-19. Andy, so we've been adding real-time capacity information to each vehicle. Have you considered where else we might be able to show this data, for example, departure boards or, or, or any other feed? We can show this data essentially wherever we we normally show these resources. We uh, we currently show vehicles on uh, on maps in various places, be it a, a timetable page or a, a live sort of overview uh, maps. Uh, we also show uh, we also show them on individual journeys. Um, if you're looking for a, a particular uh, journey from one place to the other, anywhere we can show this, we can also surface this data. And the more places we surface this data, the more data we can actually collect from people. In order to uh, in order to, to improve the accuracy or to improve the sort of majority uh, uh, voting of this. Okay, so is any of this information going to be part of the open data portal stuff that we we already give to for for operators that have websites and systems with us? We can provide all of this data via an API, and uh, at the moment, it's uh, uh, we can consider taking this public. The usage of this data is uh, a little. It's a little uh, restricted because it's very, very temporal. It's very, very, uh, it decays very quickly, the value of this data. Right. Okay. So in an hour's time, it's out of date. Really, it needs to be, like the live vehicle locations, it needs to be real time for it to be important and useful. Yeah, there's not much, uh, there's not much scope for, for, for this data after beyond about 10, 15 minutes, really. Uh, bus levels can change very, very quickly, especially at uh, sort of like key uh, stops or, or or hubs where where lots of people tend to uh, tend to change uh, change or to border a light in those places. Um, you can go very quickly from a from a busy bus to an almost empty bus, uh, and vice versa. Yeah. yeah, but there's definitely some um, there's definitely value in this sort of archive of data. Being able to go back and look at the patterns of where buses get busy, and that could advise journey patterns and uh, and you know other sh- sort of short shuttle routes that could go along particularly busy parts of a of a journey okay so i mean that leads me to my next question perhaps dave you could have a, uh, answer this one for me if we're given any thought to how we might handle when the bus is too busy what that might mean for a user instead of just saying look it's busy and the next one's in an hour what does a user do yeah so we have both the end user that's potentially getting or about to get on the bus. Uh, we also have the, the operator stuff. So one of the things that we're planning on doing is providing some of this data to the operators directly as well. So they can see, as Andy mentioned, around planning and that kind of thing. Um, if there are sort of hotspots around the network, then they'll be able to look into some of that data. Then for the user who's about to get on the vehicle, we've got some things in process around alternative modes and looking at other options that they would have. So if a vehicle is almost full and there's not space 
not space to get on their vehicle and still social distance responsibly. Then we're planning to provide alternative information to the user. One of the things that we're looking at is providing information about bike share schemes. So we have integrations with public bike share schemes in a few of our apps and websites already. So if someone's about to get on a bus, but it's full, um, then we can provide guidance around where the nearest bike share thing. So we can provide guidance around where the nearest bike share bay is and direct the user to that place. We can also provide them information um, when we start to collect around more busyness data and more historical data, provide them information about uh, perhaps a later bus that they could get or a slightly different route that isn't as busy as the one that they're on at the moment. Yeah, that's that's great. I think at the moment what we've developed and pushed out in the last couple of weeks, I know that isn't the finished form. And we've talked about the real-time passenger data on vehicles, but can you tell me about the plans to perhaps extend that from bus to trams and, and other modes as well? Trams are largely quite similar to, to, to buses in this sense, apart from sort of the difference in having maybe more than one carriage. It's quite similar to, to, to decks uh, to decks in that sense, only with the carriages tend to be more accessible. So there's, uh, there's again, there's a, there's a sort of qualitative element to this where you need to decide how busy a tram is in general. If everyone is, uh, if, there's, if there's many, many seats on a, on a, on a tram, but everyone is, is, is clustered into one, then someone's idea of how busy this is going to be is going to vary from, uh, from, from carriage to carriage. As far as stops go, stops are the very interesting thing because stops can't be addressed by a, a single operator feed for a vehicle. There's very few situations where a, where a stop is is run exclusively by an operator, or that one operator only has is the only one having a, a, a route through there. So in that case, crowdsourcing that information is is very important. It gives the best sort of analogy of how of how busy the stop is going to be when you get there and how much further you're going to have to stand down the street in order to, to maintain proper social distancing. Yeah, I can see where in the centre of town that might be more of a concern than perhaps on the outskirts of the network. But it may inform a user on potentially if they've got a choice of stops and perhaps which one they might want to go to. So mm. um, I can see why that would be really, really helpful for the end user. So we've got an option to allow users to feedback that the wheel chair bay is in use which which is interesting um, and it potentially solves a big problem that might have existed for a little while for for people that want to know whether or not they're able to even get on the bus because most buses only allow for one or possibly two wheelchair users and i know that tom you were quite interested in getting this in this feature in can you talk to me about why you felt like this was an important thing to to make sure went out in this first release yeah absolutely i, I it's one of those things that when you when you start building a feature you look at kind of what else you can do with it I think in, in historically, it's always been really difficult for you know drivers to communicate um, via the systems they've got, you know, whether that bay is um, is taken up already. Um, and I know that you know there has been quite a lot of conflict between uh, buggy uh, mums with buggies or mums and dads with buggies and pushchairs versus you know people that need to use the uh, the wheelchair base. So I think there's there's a real practical application to this in terms of you know someone who is in a wheelchair and and, and is making their way to the to the stop. Um, to have a, a, some foresight as to whether that bay is or that whether that space is is vacant or not. So, yeah, certainly from our perspective, when we're building um, something like this um, that starts to look, you know, that starts to use the the kind of the the, the collective minds of everyone on the bus 
everyone traveling you know all those all those brains are, are great sources of information and um, they can also look around and and see whether that that bay is is vacant as well so it, it makes perfect sense from a technology perspective um if we're doing one thing we, we may as well absolutely bolt this one on as well and actually i think this one you know has a a greater deal of of, of importance in the longer term yeah i think it's nice that we were able to put in something small like this that potentially may have a positive effect for, for some of those other users. So we saw in the news this morning or possibly last night that wearing a mask is now a requirement of using public transport. And if you don't, then there's the potential of fines, I believe it is. How can we react to that sort of thing in our in our app? Is there anything that perhaps we should be doing or could be doing to, to help work alongside any of that new governance? And if anything else happens, is how fast are we able to react? So one of the benefits that we have is that we work really closely with the operators um, to provide information direct to the end users. And within apps and websites, we have information around social distancing and guidance from directly from the operators around the best practices to do there. Um, so I've seen some operators have already um, included m about wearing masks in this guidance. So when someone's looking at a vehicle or something within on the website or on the app, they'll be able to see directly from the operator around information about wearing masks. And this information um, also includes things like um, how often the vehicle is cleaned and whether there's any other things that the, the customer needs to be aware of um, when boarding the vehicle. So, uh, Tom, you may remember when we spoke to James, uh, James Carney of Blackpool a couple of weeks ago, he mentioned that they were selling masks on their buses. So could you see perhaps uh, an evolution of this system where it might tell you whether or not they had any masks left on the bus to sell or, or, or something like that? Do you think that would be useful? I think it may well be. I think it's it's one of those that I think what we're talking about here is non non-surgical masks so I think th these are the kinds of masks yeah. that are you know that people can make themselves out of an old t-shirt for example so so there mm. might not be a you know a, a requirement for the operators to, to to sell actual masks I think it's one of those things that it, it's a little bit uncertain as to what the guidance is going to be you know this I believe comes in on the 15th of June um, I don't really yeah. know how they're going to enforce any of the fines and I think you know what we're talking about here. You know, a point Dave made earlier on in the conversation was around the, the sort of the, the the fact that this stuff is changing so quickly. Um, and I think the, the the benefit that we have with the system is that you know the information can be updated really easily. So you know, if an operator is um, selling masks on that particular bus, for example, um, we wouldn't have a real time stock of masks or anything like that because that would be mm. quite a sort of uh, almost an insane system to have but certainly we could say that there is a you know there is a supply of masks on that bus that could be you know acquired from the driver purchased or, or given away or whatever the operator wanted to do so we could communicate something absolutely i think what we're making sure we're, we're doing is is, is allowing um, our operators to update information for their customers as quickly as possible as these things change yeah. uh, but making sure that we don't build something that is is very focused on on covid19 we're, we're really really keen that everything we make has a sort of a longevity to it in terms of the value that it brings uh, you know post uh, this period and and you know again we talked earlier about you know the, the social distancing coming down from two meters you know we know the world health organization is official guidance is one you know and i'm absolutely sure that it will come down at some point in the uk too too around that sort of distance to enable um, you know pubs and and, and restaurants to, to to re-establish their businesses and, and get back up and running again so we are dealing with things that are changing fairly quickly 
so we have to take that into consideration when we structure you know the systems to make sure that we are able to continue to react quickly to these changes to support everyone to get this information out there um, as quickly as possible and as accurately as possible because i think that accuracy is, is the most important thing um, you know particularly in the context of uh, how many people are on a bus and and and, and how clean a yeah. bus is because that's the that's the bit that gives the reassurance you know that's the bit that helps someone to you know, he's someone who's been perhaps in lockdown at home in isolation for quite some time, as many of us have been. Um, the reassurance to get back um, onto, you know, back out there in the world and, and know that you know they're going to be safe doing that. That's the that's the key. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. So going back to something that we uh, we talked about a little bit earlier on, I just want, wanted to sort of quiz you guys on how we come up with a, a sort of really clear um, indication to the to the to the end user about the the, the busyness or the, the crowdedness or whatever the phrase is we want to use um, about the vehicle itself. I mean, we've got lots of potential and lots of discussions happening around um, you know different data feeds coming in. We've talked about crowdsourced data, so that's information that we're getting from the passengers. We've talked about how Ticketer are providing counting. Uh, numbers via their existing Siri VM feeds. Um, I've also had conversations with um, with potential uh, people interested in the system about how we might use sort of uh, uh, device GPS location data. Uh, I guess the the question is, you know, all of these different streams of data coming in, how do we then turn that into something so simple um, that sort of reliably, robustly, accurately communicates the situation on the ground to the customer? I think we have to treat each one of those as an individual signal of the of the busyness of that of that vehicle. It's similar to how a search engine would work in so much as there are lots of different things that they take into account, but ultimately they boil that down to a one, two, three, four sort of ranking of uh, of um, depending on of, of of the site that you're trying to, to to search for. We need to do the same thing in that sense. We need to take all of these different data sources combine them together, give them different weighting depending on, uh, on on how accurate we think they might be, how timely they are, like when they were last reported, for example, uh, and, and mix that together to provide the customer with the clearest idea of, of okay, do I get on this bus or do I wait for another or, or, or find a different, uh, a different way to get where I'm going? We also need to take into account stops. Uh, stops are a, are a very interesting part of this because um, there are there are always going to be particular stops along a journey that are going to be more there are going to be more people either getting on or alighting from that bus. So we need to have that sort of journey information and that uh, and that sort of uh, how a journey looks across the course of of something. If there's a bus coming which is very very busy, are you going to be able to get on that bus? If if twenty people get off at that particular stop, then you can get on. Um, that's fine. The fact that it's busy up until that point starts to lose some some relevance in that sense. So we have to sort of try and build up a, a, a much bigger picture of, of how these things change across the course of a journey and across the course of a day. I think you're right, Andy. It's, it's an interesting um, comparison to a search engine, but I think it's quite possibly, or it has the capacity to quite possibly be that complicated as the systems evolve and, and more streams come in to enable us to feed this information back. It's been really interesting to chat to you both today. I'm sure we could chat for a lot longer on, on a multitude of subjects, but unfortunately, I've got to draw a line here. So uh, Dave and Andy, thank you very much for joining us. Um, I'm sure we'll speak to you again at some point in the future. Thank you, Matt and Tom. Thank you.
Next week, we'll be speaking to Dr. Ian Walker. Ian teaches statistics and traffic psychology at the University of Bath, where he undertakes research on road safety, travel choices and habits, and energy consumption. As if that's not interesting enough, Ian's also a Guinness World Record holder for the fastest bicycle crossing of Europe. We're really looking forward to speaking with him and finding out what, if anything, can be done to break people's car habits. If you have any questions for us or for him, tweet us at MakingPassenger. Until next time.